0: i'm plugged into the Agora's nexus. nexus we need the whole community connected, connected. we're the alternative collective Collected. self-sufficient and
1: effective this brandon with the gorse next podcast i've got all the co-hosts here for the first time um in a long time i think this is actually Actually, never happened before so we've got uh, willie jeremiah dag uh myself and then we've got a great guest which i will introduce in one sec but um if, if you guys if you guys want to definitely check that out willie does an amazing job i can't can't thank her enough um for all our efforts there uh you can sign up where it says Get email updates. We'll have a link below. We will also have a link on the uh, it's on the main website. If, if you click where it says get up get email updates and uh, yeah, and then also this this episode sponsored by Presearch, decentralized search engine. Um, get uncensored searches, privacy as you search. Uh, use our link so that uh, so that you know we, we get it and that Presearch knows that we're. We're doing our job so that, that way we get uh we get the ability to to be sponsored again so with that said um i want to introduce she i think she goes by volunteers that
2: yeah or uh, ray for e short ray. <laughs> i've
3: been going
0: okay. by ray since we started the podcast so but you can call me e still i'll i've handled on uh Keybase and Discord is volunteer. ray <laughs> No.
3: <laughs> nice. So like why don't little, you tell okay. us a little about what you like generally do and like what got you into what you do?
0: Okay, so I... Where...
2: The name of her shop is The Willow's Gift. Oh, okay. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> so say say, say the name.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm
2: like, say the name of your shop. I don't think we said it. <laughs> okay. Yeah.
0: So um, I am Ray and my, the name of my shop is the Willow's Gift. And primarily what I'm doing these days is custom pet or people portraits. Um, really about any animal, you know, I, I go from a picture. It's very realistic style. Um, I do a lot of herbal medicine, uh, tincture, making, salves, tea blends, Um, And I've been doing this for, I opened my Etsy shop maybe a little over a year ago, Um, definitely over a year ago, but so it's kind of new and I'm still, still figuring things out, but I've been making things my whole life. I've been around art my whole life. My mom and my grandma are both artists and they owned a ceramic shop in Wisconsin when I was little and we lived above it for two years. So I was making things with clay, you know, even at a very young age. Um, and then, uh, I, after high school, I went to USF and was going to do architecture for a little while. Um, and I took a lot of studio classes, um, until I was trying to get into the graduate program and kind of brought back, you know, that, uh, the desire for, to create and make art, you know, but also kind of always being told growing up, you know, by society or, whatever, or you're never gonna make anything as an artist. I never really considered pursuing anything career-wise as far as art goes. Um, and so fast forward, um, I was pretty apolitical my whole life. And then um, my husband Dag started kind of down the path of libertarianism and just being around him and listening every day him tell me how much he hates the government (laughs) um you know it kind of started to sink in and kind of learning about it myself and from there it was a Mm -hmm. not a very long road to anarchy and um you know consider myself an anarchist and you know and then I started hearing about you know agorism and you know Dag started you know getting into it too and you know reading Konkin and you know sharing things with me and it's like we realized that we were as homesteaders basically already living the agorist lifestyle a lot of things that we do you know is considered agorism and so I was looking for ways that I could leave my nine to five and get out of the rat race so we would have more time to produce things for ourselves and for our community. Um, And so it kind of started out with just like I would I actually kind of started out with crochet and it's become a, like a winter thing. I actually finished a blanket yesterday <laughs> and I was like, oh, winter's coming. Time to pull out the crochet. All I make is blankets, though, or square things.
3: <laughs> ah, um, well, then you're in a similar boat to Lily right now. She's uh, currently using some scrap yarn to make a dress, if I understand correctly.
0: <laughs> yes, I know. I. I've been mesmerized by her crocheting this whole time. (laughs) It's looking great. (laughs) Yeah, for
4: anybody curious. Yeah, so like, I mean, some crochet artists are like the type where they're like, they go and they buy a bunch of yarn that they never use. They say like, the hobby of buying yarn is bigger than the hobby of using the yarn. And I'm not that kind of artist of like... I have like a little box in my closet and if it gets above a certain point of extra leftover yarn, I need to find something, anything to do with it. So I'm like, you know, these are pieces for a top, you know, and then like, this is going to be the waist and Ooh, I'm okay. trying to figure out, and it's going to like fade to blue. Um, Cause I have like a blue green that's next. Um, but yeah, we'll see how it goes. My last dress was, one that I followed a pattern for this one. I'm just freestyling. And that one was a pattern made for women shaped like Kim Kardashian, not like me. And I mean, I know I've grown an ass since I started the circus stuff, but I have not grown that much of an ass. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that would really get in the way. The ass I have currently is starting to get in the way. So like I could not imagine.
3: (laughs)
0: So there's
3: that. <laughs> and, <your shirt laughs> anyway. too. And, and what yeah. do you crochet, uh, uh, E? Um,
0: like I said, I, I it, that was more just as it passed the time. I, I make blankets. I've made a few baby blankets for my friends that are, you know, popping out children and uh, made us a few blankets. That, yeah. that's, that was more just kind of like, I don't know, I that need to kind of create was coming back. Like I said, I had a nine to five, you know, which took up all my time and we get back and have... You know farm chores to do and just always just kind of doing not really doing things i wanted so i don't know like and it's just something to do with your hands i mean you know lily you know and it's just kind of like okay i i need to make things to start doing things that i like or finding things that i like because i kind of lost a lot of my hobbies um i know i've read about it in an article i shared in the nexus that um, i'm a recovering addict so when i was really bad and in my addiction like I didn't care about doing anything you know and all my hobbies kind of got shelved and I really lost who I was you know and so when things kind of starting you know getting better and really the path to anarchy and libertarianism and agorism has ultimately really been what's been able to keep me going in the right direction and because learning that personal responsibility is such a huge thing and 12-step programs really kind of perpetuate the victim mentality, you know, saying like, oh, you're powerless, you know, and just kind of always blame it on somebody else, you know, and realizing that there wasn't going to be anybody else to come save me, you know, that's, so I had to that's find. That's so
4: interesting. I I am refreshed to hear you talk about the 12-step program in that way because a lot of people talk about it like it's the only way to get sober. But I know very few people that remain sober off the program and I, they, they end up living with a lot of guilt for the time that they are sober and like substance abuse is hard. And it's one of those things where like, there have got to be better ways to go about it. So kudos to you. I just wanted to interrupt and say that.
0: (laughs) Thanks. Well, you know, I mean, they make you feel like it's like you said, exactly. It's like their way or you could end up in jail or dead, you know? And I have seen a slew of therapists in my days. And there was this one that I really liked and really connected to, you know? And she was like, you know, I don't care if you smoke pot, you know, I've known more heroin addicts that have stayed clean by smoking pot, you know, than anything else. And it just kind of was like, okay, well, if that's the case, then that means that, NA is isn't really the only way, you know? So just kind of like learning things, to stay away from and triggers and just really being honest about that or you know as honest as I can be about that but anyway so I I don't really want to focus on that <laughs> well, that's, I, I don't mind talking cool about tangent. it but um it's a cool tangent um, I will say not
4: where I expected out this of to that,
0: go <laughs> yeah so but that's kind of like I need to fill up my time and find hobbies to occupy my brain and like I said kind of at first crochet was kind of that thing you know it was keeping my hands busy while I could keep a movie on and you know occupy my mind and everything and and uh so then I started making some paracord leashes and I was kind of Mm. like this point like what else can I make you know so I uh I've got my little fidgeting roll over here Oh, <laughs> nice. Yeah, uh,
3: I mean, I, several... I, I on an old chopstick. I eat everything with chopsticks, so any old chopstick that uh, absorbed too much flavor uh, or, you know, is <laughs> bending or something, those, uh, those get turned into, like, spools and shit for things like that.
0: Awesome. Hmm. Go ahead. Yeah, I've had some people request some, like, rifle slings, and I might pick that up again once I free up some more time, but again, at this point, I was kind of just kind of figuring out what I like to do and everything. We're also starting to do chickens at this time with an idea to dehydrate the chicken feet, which allowed us to use more of the bird and was a sellable item and also at this time we were starting to go to the farmer's market so it's really Good. kind of a lot of things happening all at once you know and so we're just kind of like okay what can we bring and like the dog treats crazy um the
2: that's the dehydrated chicken feet by the way
0: yeah, what would i say yeah
2: no just the dehydrated chicken feet but they're, oh. they're dog treats oh, we, okay. we don't eat the dehydrated chicken feet <laughs> We sell them for dog treats it's actually well, quite you successfully know, it's one of like it, our best it, sellers yeah it it, if you, if um, you get chicken like cool feet you can item, use those so.
3: if you get chicken feet you can use those in bone broth they're very good for that oh, oh yeah, yeah mm-hmm.
0: we definitely but i mean the amount that we were getting we had we get a lot of feet <laughs> And because you can use chicken backs for the bone broth too mm-hmm. and other bone scraps for that so we'll throw a couple feet in you know to get that good collagen stuff but we had excess um and like i said they were really popular so you know so like there was kind of like a lot of things happening a lot of wheels turning a lot of moving parts <laughs>
2: Lots <laughs> in lots, <laughs> lots out of,
0: yeah and um and i don't know i at my job i was on my break one day and i was like i don't know I, I started drawing one of my dogs and i did a pet portrait got some nice nice paper you know some nice pencils and it was kind of slow at first you know kind of getting in the habit that kind of um what do you call it? Motivation, or mm-hmm. you
2: have the learning curve? oh the learning curve. Just yeah. you know,
0: making yourself put the time into doing it. it. You know, it was kind of like oh, and it was kind of like a long process. But it came out really good. Then did one of our other dog, and it came out really good. And started sharing them on Facebook, and like I was, I was really surprised by the reactions that I was getting. Um, I will say as an addict, I definitely have struggled with, you know, self-esteem issues and, oh. you know, co- coping and everything. And so I definitely think I, I, I critique my stuff, you know, way too much. So it was it was pleasant to see people were liking what I was putting out there.
3: Yeah, you yeah, know, for the past two episodes, we've gotten like into that subject. So if you all want to check out the Lily and Kat episodes, then feel free to do that.
4: Um, slight interruption here in regards to the pet portraits she's done one of my dogs she just you know it was, it was kind of a volunteer thing she asked me for a photo and was like hey I just want to essentially build a portfolio I'm like it looks exactly like my dog I, I was floored
0: <laughs> and okay, so good. I need to redo it <laughs> and I'm still gonna send you one I will but I was so I did not I wasn't happy with it. But I, I that was kind of the beginning, you know. And like I said, I was kind of like learning to accept it, I guess. And anyway, it ended up getting ruined. So.
4: I also have a, I have that cat that cactus painting that you did. It's not in this room, but I definitely have it on my wall in my bedroom. So.
0: I actually didn't make that. I was somewhere, and they were going to throw it away. And oh, okay you so i salvaged it and send it to you. why would they
4: throw away i love that thing it was very
0: very cute thank you for that it was oh you're welcome
2: you know um i think it's uh, a it's funny like you mentioned like um i have a big issue with like judging my own work you know a lot as well it's like when you create something it's like you know everything about it you know, you know, all the flaws and to you, like they might stand out, but like regular people don't notice, you know, um, even just like when I just work on like when I you know, did like window tint and like vehicle graphics, like when it got easier was when I stopped fretting about the little stuff when I realized that a lot of people didn't notice all the little, you know, you're just so familiar with the project by the end of it and you know just just so personally that it's so easy to to just stress about anything you create and I think that learning to learning to be more comfortable you know what I mean with your work or getting over that you know however you do it is just I think it's, it's just, just such ex- a relief yeah
0: exposure to mm-hmm. it and even well, kind well
4: it's like, not even just that I think it's part of being an artist because like I've been doing the crochet thing for like years now I've had made hundreds of projects for customers. But still, every time I finish a project and I take the photos and I send it to the person that I made it for, I'm on edge until they tell me that they love it. And then even still, Mm. like when I send it to them and they get it, I'm like, are they going to hate it when it gets there? And then when they don't and it doesn't fall apart, then I start to chill out about it. But like, it still happens with every project. And I think it's, I think to an extent, like, It's, it's kind of responsible, you know, like don't pick your, pick your stuff so hard that you can't sell it, but like, it's also good to have that anxiety. So that way it makes you work harder to ensure what you do put out is as good as it can get, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Keep that quality up for sure. You know, exactly. and, and you know, it, it shows you're passionate about it too, that you're, you know, you're, that you're that into it, you know? And that's why like, like for her doing like, like the pet portraits, I think is really amazing. Cause you know, we're animal lovers, but I mean, she's definitely a big dog lover. So <laughs> being able to do the, for animals and, and, and stuff is uh, I think really cool too.
0: And it makes the people really happy. I mean, I think everybody knows nowadays how much time and money people put into their pets. You know, they're a part of people's families and um, I don't know. I like to have the pictures of my dogs around and apparently other people do too. Mm-hmm. And then I had some people request some people portraits. So I've been kind of getting to that too. And that's been pretty interesting because um I don't know, in a way, people are easier because they're not covered in hair, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but, like, the little... Unless
1: you Jeremiah.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's, except for you. <laughs>
1: yeah,
3: you know, I'm I'm just sort of Most- looking at it grow everywhere. I've, I've got, like, all hair colors at this point, and, um, like, there are some blonde ones that are crawling up, like, they're, like, an inch from my eyes, and I've got, like, rug on my chest and fucking little patches growing on my back Let's pretty see. much everywhere. Yeah. <laughs>
0: The audience wants to know our re- I, our
4: resident caveman.
3: I don't think they do. Know. <laughs> well, you know, I've got to have hair everywhere. It's 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 my role model. It's my role model. Anyway, go ahead.
0: Anyway, most people aren't covered in hairs, but because. <laughs> you see people every day, you know, or longer, you know, people more than dogs. I think that the, like the littlest thing wrong really does really throw off the portrait, you know, and you agree. dag mm-hmm. agrees. I'm not just saying this. Yeah, no, like, no, oh. no, no, no. I
2: think it's, I, th- I think it's like in your brain. Like I think is we're, 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 we're so built to recognize minute differences in faces, like, cause we recognize people, you know, um, and, you know, but dogs, it's not, or animals, we don't, I don't think we have that built in um, recognition thing. So I think when it's people, I think it kind of has to be a little more perfect. Um, Whereas a dog, I think you might have a little more room for, you know, it's covered in hair. (laughs) Well,
0: this is cool. Like I posted one and somebody's like, oh, you know, my child really is getting into art. You know, like, do you have any pointers for them? And if there are any aspiring artists out there. I think the piece of advice that I would give is to, especially going for like the realistic style, but either way it would kind of like have a plan, you know, and okay, yeah, this is more for going for realize, realism, like a portrait, you know, like like I do. But spend a lot of time getting your proportions right and getting your, you know, base outlines and then you can fill it in from there. But if, you know, you start shading in your darkest areas and something looks a little bit off, it's going to be a lot harder to to adjust it. So that's my advice for any aspiring artists out there. (laughs) I might
4: have to to ask you for pointers because like... (laughs) I'm sure you saw the painting where I did the mushroom with like my little world and I did the renegade turned out all right. And I'm thinking of painting him, but my cats, my cats look a little, I mean, I'm looking at the painting now. It's like off in the distance here and they just... (laughs) They look ridiculous, so I might have to hit you up for some pointers, because I want to paint portraits of all of them, but I'm just not convinced in my abilities. Well, Well, I guess I will say that's
0: the way I go about it, but I mean, there are all kinds of artists out there who see things, you know, the way I don't see them, you know, a lot of, like, impressionism kind of arts or, you know, more modern things. Like, they're like, okay, this is a flower, and it's, like, a box and some other, like, random shit, you know, but it's like, okay, well, that's how they see it. You, You can't say they're wrong. You know but like i don't see it like that so i'm sure that person maybe didn't necessarily have a thorough plan when they started their you know whatever they they do but like i said for what i do but i don't think there's there really aren't any rules when it comes to art so (laughs) don't don't listen to me actually i took art
3: classes um and one of the things that that the teacher like this was in high school area one of the things that the teacher said that is if you can draw hands you can draw pretty much anything because the issue is the like fine details, getting the creases right, the shading, et cetera. If you can draw convincing hands, you've got the rest of it basically down.
0: I can like the, the lights and darks <laughs> and shadows, you know, like think a lot of times you see kind of mediocre art and it maybe seems like there are two afraid to make the darks as dark as they're supposed to be you know or the lights as light as they're supposed to be get that depth of something you know that contrast and even colors just the color contrast makes it interesting but um here here's a funny story too so i was taking a a fabrication class at usf and um it was the the theme for the semester was monsters and we had to do art in about Um, like some kind of monster so I made this lock out of about 500 razor blades and it was kind of about like the dangerous secrets that we keep you know Mm. and it was it was fucking cool and I go in and my stoner art teacher of course he was had like laid out on the table uh like a machete a golf club a sledgehammer like you know all these baseball bat all these things he's like you either need to smash your piece or you need to make a another one exactly like it and it was just kind of Saying that it's more about the process than the piece, and you know you're making art for everybody, and maybe you to not get too like attached to it. I'm sure there were some lessons there, but I was really pissed about it. It ended up smashing it. oh, <laughs> but I ended up making another one years later, mm-hmm. actually. He should try glass
4: blowing because like the crazy thing about glass blowing is like imagine spending eight hours on a painting and then like, a cold like chill comes in or even just like you look at it wrong and it falls off the piece and shatters to the floor and those <laughs> those hours are gone you know like that's that's wild about glass blowing is you could be almost done and it could explode or you could finish it and you could put it in the in the kiln for annealing and then open up the kiln and it could be fucking exploded
3: <laughs> and for the purpose of uh, our audience what's annealing
4: annealing is like a process to like Glass blowing, you, you um, specifically on a torch, for example, you use the torch to manipulate the glass. And then once you do that, if you want it to cool without cracks, especially borosilicate, which is what pipes are made out of, um, and borosilicate's just like the type of glass, like drinking glasses are made out of soda lime. It's more resistant to um, being worked in terms of like, you have longer time to work on it, but it can't, you can't put a lighter to, you know, a a glass without it cracking Whereas borosilicate. You can hit it again and again with a lighter without it breaking, but it's more finicky when it cools. So like, if you don't have a a kiln, basically, it's just a small like box kiln. They have doors that you lift up to put your piece in after you blow it. It's going to crack, like it's going to crack and it's not going to be it's not going to stand up because it needs to be at like a tempo, like 1800 or 1800 degrees Fahrenheit. And then it needs to slowly be kicked down from that. And if it doesn't, like it gets, it gets real fucked real fast. So that's what Mm -hmm. the annealing process is, is literally like holding it at that temperature for the whole piece to get to that temperature and then just slowly bringing it down.
3: Could you use a a ceramic kiln?
4: Um, for my understanding it a specialized, it's, it's a specialized kiln. The problem with ceramic kilns is like, you can't open and close them while you work uh, with them. Yeah. Um, whereas like with a glass blowing kiln, like a lot, it, it's really common for like a glass blower to have their kiln right next to them. And as they work on pieces, they put it in the kiln and let it come up to temperature and work on something else. And then put that in the kiln, like uh, production they- glass blowers are known to have like 10 pipes in, in the kiln on punties, which are just like glass rods all at the same time, and they just cycle through them, keep them consistent in temperature. And then once they're done with their their push of pr- producing things, then they close the thing up and start the cool down cycle. But like, yeah, that's the thing about glass, is like if it's too cold, like and you'll like glass blowers will, you know. The worst sound that you can hear when you're working on a piece actively is tink. Mm -hmm. Because you know, that's the beginning of the end.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It's the start of the damage of the crystal structure.
4: Yeah. And like part of like the skill involved in glass blowing, most people don't know this until they actually try blowing glass is like, the mark of a good glass blower is actually in their ability to what they call chase cracks and fix problems. It's very common for cracks to form while you're working. And if you hit it with too much oxidized heat, which is like really pressurized heat, it'll, it'll. Sh- shatter and explode in front of your face. But if you hit it with the right kind of flame for the right color of glass, because every color of glass needs something different. There's something called boiling glass. You can boil glass and fuck it up and that way fill it with bubbles. But like you fill you fill the glass with that sort of heat when it cracks, the right kind of heat, and you'll watch the crack just disappear and it'll be stronger than it ever was. But like it's- that Which is
3: how tempering works basically, right?
4: It's, it's part of it. Like you don't have to have cracked glass to make it strong, but it's one of those things where like, if you are working on a piece and let's say that the flame hits a part that's not really that hot and you're, you know, you want to fix it. There are ways to adjust the flame to heal that crack and then continue working without it fucking exploding. And that's like the, the learning curve for new people and their learning is like, how do I make this thing without it exploding? And it's worse with marbles. Like the thicker the glass, the harder this process is.
3: And this is something I've been curious about. When you put in like the colored metal powder uh, to, to give it like an interesting sheen, do you do that like during the annealment process or is that like no, it's
4: it? that's vaporizing. That's what's crazy, is that's called silver fuming. You literally like, and that's a that's a process too. You heat up a you heat up a glass rod, right? And then you have this like hunk of silver on your bench. And you have to heat it up, get it molten, but not too molten because if it's too molten, it, it won't hold the silver. And if it's too cold, it won't hold the silver. So it has to be a perfect temperature. And then you have to like get the flame to a right oxygen content. Cause if it's too oxygen enriched rich, it'll just burn the silver away and vaporize it. So you kind it's like, you know, it vaporizes in a, in a fume. That's why they call it fuming onto the glass. And you also have to have the glass the right temperature, because if it's not, it'll just burn off. And it's like, it's this weird magic, but it's literally you're burning silver or gold to produce these colors. That's how the color changing pipes happen. It's just. Yep. And I've done quite a bit of that. I like that quite a bit, but it's also extremely difficult. And like the yeah. trick is to like layer more clear on top of what you fumed before it burns off to capture those designs.
3: And and of course, like, you know, uh, if if you fuck that up, then you've not only fucked that up like you would normally, but you've also fucked up the glass because it's now got the wrong mineral mix
4: yeah, yeah I'm gonna steal this thing.
0: recording and put it on the let's make some shit podcast and call it <laughs> <We> <laughs> have you on. this is so cool <laughs> you know
4: I mean I would totally come on again <laughs> your guys's podcast was fun but it's been a long time since I've talked about glassblowing because I haven't really been able to afford to do it but I am like super close to being back on the torch and when I do I have I have silver waiting for me <laughs> and glass too technically but like I have a friend who um,
0: used to blow glass. He doesn't anymore, but I had gotten Dag a a, a bowl how long ago,
3: mm. like thirteen yeah. years ago, yeah, and
0: wow. it is like solid as fuck, and it's like so gnarly too. It's like the coolest piece that I've ever seen. But uh,
4: <laughs> it's an expensive yeah. hobby. That's the number one reason that glass blowers quit. It's it's not that they don't enjoy it. It's, that's an expensive hobby. Like gas is expensive. Glass is expensive. The torches. Especially like, gas. Yeah. Like the kilns. The kilns are like fucking $2,000 for a decent one. You can build your own. And I've done that. But like it's really hard to like anneal and step down a a project manually by like literally turning a knob down every hour.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah. My mom has a ceramic kiln when she gets it set back up. I was considering maybe making some clay art.
4: You can, you can melt bottles. I've seen people like make cool treats uh, cheese trays by getting wine bottles and putting them in ceramic kilns and just blasting that shit so they warp and just sink oh, in yeah. on themselves yeah I've seen that like cheese
0: trays or <laughs> serving it's, trays
4: it's a good way to reuse wine bottles for people that like to drink
0: wine a lot
4: like my boyfriend's family
0: <laughs> I've been saving wine bottles for a little bit now we've accumulated a couple to make um the drinking glasses you you ever seen that where you soak a you know yarn or something in lighter fluid and um set it on fire that
4: is not necessarily i've done that it's not it's not so precise i recommend getting a wine bottle cutter um yeah those tend to be more precise i've screwed around with that a little bit but they sell them on amazon they're not expensive but it's basically a a thing that you twist around it and it scores it and mm-hmm. you get it wet at some point and it's kind of the same process but it, it's more precise. You have less jagged
0: edges. I used to do stained glass for a little bit and that is something that I did really love to do and would also maybe consider once I get more free time you know maybe getting into again. Why don't you um, talk about that?
4: The stained yeah, glass? That's super cool. Yeah, because I want to do that. I got the stuff, but I don't know how.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there really isn't a lot of equipment that you need. It's really more space for storage of the sheets of glass, you know, I mean, that eventually breaks down. But I mean, you basically draw your template, you know, and um, use one of those things. I imagine like you're cutting, it's like a, a wheel, you know, and you you know, take each piece piece that you need, like a template of each piece, and you lay the glass over it and score it. And then you use these pliers to break it. And um, then the other piece of equipment that you need is like a crystal grinder. And it's like a small little box with just like a spinning wheel, kind of like, like a router kind of thing with crystal. And you use that just to smooth the edges. You cover them in this, like a... Uh, tinfoil kind of looks like some tape and you wrap that along the edges so the solder has something to stick to so you got all your pieces and you lay them out in your image and they assuming you did it correctly they should all you know join and then you just solder them together
3: oh okay I, see, I always thought that it was like a lead sort of alloy that they poured between them uh is that is that was that ever the way it was done or was that just incorrect
0: Um, well, whatever the, this is, okay, this was years ago, but I'm not sure what the the, the tape is that it's made out of, but it is some kind of metal that the solder Uh, will stick to, but it's like a, like, like um, it's sticky on one side and it folds over just maybe like a 16th of an inch on the glass. So the solder will, you know, join the pieces. Have something
3: to bite on to.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's not much to it, um, besides maybe like the grinder and the soldering kit and suppliers and one of the scorers
4: yeah henza um my friend henza got me he like brought me a toolbox that has all those little tools in it. and i just need to get the glass but like i've been going to glass people here and trying to buy it directly because there's quite a few like you know old-fashioned stain. i live in a very catholic city that's full of like really like Catholics spanish mexico style
3: well like this is
4: one of the most i'm not gonna say right. which city but i will say that it is one of the most catholic cities in mexico with the most cathedrals in mexico and the most stained glass and like i've gone into these stores like where do you buy your glass and they won't tell me Oh, <laughs> okay. and it's big expensive. underground
0: stained it's glass ex- Cold yeah sir. and it's
4: expensive it's expensive online so I just haven't bought any yet but like yeah
2: really that, that's the thing that, yeah there yeah, was a expensive. in a city city near us I don't know if it still exists but there was a stained glass supply store that I went into and it was really cool because yeah just all the really unique you know sheets of glass that I don't know they were various sizes you know one by one or two by two feet or whatever but um but you know yeah different textures and colors and this and that but if yeah if you don't have a shop like that yeah I have to imagine like shipping on you know sheets of glass is probably difficult and expensive so yeah that's part of that's part
4: of the problem
0: go ahead oh I was gonna say like in or with the stained glass and um like I don't know the problem now is I don't I've been better about it but like there's so many things that I'd like to do you know and I've been better at actually seeing my projects through but they're still like in the back of my head you know like oh if I put all this money into buying the supplies to do the stained glass or to blow glass or some of these other projects like am I gonna like it you know and so that's kind of I don't know this might be a good segue um into some of the things that we've been having going around the homestead. Yeah. And um, for sure, is I, I so our podcast is called the Let's Make Some Shit podcast. And I do that with my homie, Resonance. And I was kind of drawn to her because she's been kind of like me and she's actually out there kind of like doing things. Like the, the canning and preserving food, and growing chiggerilla gardens, and um, she's out there like feeding the homeless, and she's you know doing her shit. And yeah, we
3: got to get her on um, here too. And
0: like, oh yeah, she's great. She's super smart. Mm-hmm. She's definitely the the smarty pants of the show. I'm the one who's out here like trying new things and learning. And what kind of my idea for the show was? Um, trying new things, but there's always, at least for me, and I'm sure it's like this for other people, like when you, even when you're trying something new, even though it could be super simple, like I work it up in my head to be this big thing. And then you go on the internet, you know, and search all these sites. And then you're like, oh my gosh, this one says this. And this one says this. And then you start overcomplicating it, you know? Yes. Um, yeah. Or the analysis well, paralysis.
2: Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah.
4: I <laughs> so, deal
0: with that too. I think it's an yeah. ADHD
4: thing. At least for me, it's an ADHD thing. I talk myself I just, out of things. <laughs>
0: right. I just know I'm not the only one, you know. So like I've been working on kind of like getting over this anxiety and just trying new things. And like I feel like we each have more or less experience in some of the topics that we talk about but neither of us i would call us experts in any of the things that we talk about but because we are doing them and these things are fresh we try to kind of encourage people to do these things for themselves why they might want to do these things for themselves some problems that we encountered while they're still fresh in our minds and what people can do to avoid these problems um And and we can come back to that if you want to, but one of the things um, that I've been doing is the herbal medicine making, um, and that's making herbal tinctures and medicated cells and balms and tea blends and working with plants. And this is something that I have definitely um, fell in love with always kind of like growing things as a child, you know, I had a garden with my dad in Wisconsin in the summers and to be able to have this land. And when we had a garden going, you know, and then coronavirus hit and I was listening to an episode of a podcast and they talked about the importance of knowing the plants in your backyard and recommended a book called the herbal medicine makers handbook by James Green. And like, I just dove right into it. And some of it was like, maybe a little bit woo woo, hippie me. but I was all about it. Like, I immediately kind of went nuts. Like, okay, I need to grow all these plants or, you know, accumulate all these plants that I can't grow. And I don't know, just kind of like went nuts. And it was... I don't know, like a little overwhelming at first, but after le- realizing they're not going to learn about every plant in the world, you know, in two weeks or months or years or my lifetime, even, you know, it you start slowly accumulating this knowledge. Um, and uh, and I'll ever be done learning. I don't think anybody is. I think that anytime anybody thinks they know it all, that they'll never probably learn anything new ever again, you know and um
3: yeah yeah and then they joined the government (laughs) (laughs)
0: they
3: know know, they know best they know better than than everyone else you know they should be the regulators
0: yeah so we started seeing articles after the virus you know saying like oh beware of herbal medicine you know you know your path
2: (laughs) (laughs) it's 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 funny when you put it like that though because i um One of the things I like about like even having like the homestead is like that because I like to do projects and explore new things. It's it's something that will never be completed. You know, no matter I can live to be two hundred years, you know, old and it would never be done or you know up to my liking, right? Because we're always improving. It always gives you something to work on, so it's hard to get bored with it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you know, and and you know, you talk
3: about books. I recommend constantly to people. Well when the subject comes up, which it comes up like way too rarely, but like when this subject comes up, I bring up animal vegetable miracle by Barbara Kingsolver. And there's a great quote from it um, about like the society that they've made. And it's when we traded homemaking for careers, we were implicitly promised economic independence and worldly influence, but a devil of a bargain. It has turned out to be in terms of daily life. We gave up, gave up the, aroma of warm bread rising the measured pace of nurturing routines the creative task of molding our family's taste and zest for life we received in exchange the minivan and the lunchable nice (laughs) that's good i really like that book it's fucking great and it's also it's it's it borders on cynical in some areas like that so it, it appeals to my sort of this is a conspiracy um mentality and it's all about like there's like be the kind of person who takes supplements and then don't, um, like pay enough attention to what you eat that you're like paying it, it like that kind of attention, and like just living with that ki- level of intention. My mother is the one who got me to read this book, and I, you know, I've I've been recommending it for like seven years now. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs>
0: that sounds interesting. No, that sounds interesting. Where was I?
3: You were talking about uh, this book that you read about uh, a, a, like, I can't remember the title, oh, but yeah, it was about- so yeah.
0: herbal medicine making. So, yeah, so um, I'll, I'll come back to that too. But the point of why I guess I brought all of this up was that um, trying all these like different projects and learning how to do them all cheaply, you know, before it kind of like test them all out kind of before you jump head first and devote like all of your time and energy into one project, you know, and realize it's not something that makes you happy, you know, but then also learning all these things and why we try to encourage people to do all these things. Maybe you might not have to make your own um, potash, you know, every month, but being able to know how to do that, to make your own soap, you know, is some handy knowledge to have in your pocket, you know. Um, but so with the herbal medicine making, I offer a lot of my tinctures on my Etsy shop. Um, and I have a lot of stuff that I make that I haven't necessarily listed on there. Um, but it has allowed me to kind of interact with customers. They'll come with questions, you know, and I've been able to make recommendations or special blends based on their health you know, care or naturopathic, whoever, you know, that's helping them, you know, make special blends. And I've been getting just so much good feedback and I don't know, it just feels really good to be able to help people like find a way using natural alternatives to pharmaceutical drugs feedback exchange
3: yeah, thing you don't get from mega corporations <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. what's your
0: best
4: selling thing like what what's helping people the most what's what are the effects like curious about um,
0: that so I get I've been getting a lot of people checking out recently the milk thistle seed tincture um and that is a good liver cleanser. I get a lot of people checking out the hawthorn berry tincture. That is a um, strengthens your cardiovascular system and is uh, great for your heart. And I guess Lord knows all these people these last few years maybe looking <laughs> and for all the help they can get too. in that area. So <laughs> hawthorn berries, what you want to look for? Um, the
2: heavy metal detox.
0: Oh yeah, so I made a heavy metal detox blend that has been like. I sold out of that whole first batch almost immediately. And I have another one going and that one's basically all sold when it's ready. But that's uh, a blend mm-hmm. of cilantro and Japanese chlorella. So the cilantro binds to all the heavy metals and the chlorella helps you expel it uh, or eliminate it through your urine. Um, and again, with kind of, you know, all the... I
1: probably should take that. So
0: yeah, I think a lot of people could benefit from it. I mean, all the artificial fragrances that we put on our body are toxic and companies don't have to list them all and Mm -hmm. they're carcinogenic and they can just label it as fragrances. They don't have to well, like even beyond
4: that, like I've posted about this a little on my Facebook, but like two years ago, I made the mistake of getting a copper IUD and. I got copper poisoning from that motherfucker. Like I was, it really fucked up my whole system. And it took me like a year to fully like finally get the guts to remove it. Cause not only is like getting it in scary, the idea of getting it taken out is just as scary. Cause like I have seen people have them removed and not been able to get them removed without surgery. And most doctors in the U.S., they deny that copper IUDs cause copper toxicity, but I happen to have a good doctor here in Mexico and she diagnosed me with copper toxicity. Um, and I'm still like getting rid of that and that inflammation and that's just something not talked about enough. And I think that that, that heavy metal detox thing you're talking about would probably help quite a bit with it. Cause I know eating cilantro helps me personally. I mean, I'm in Mexico, Mm -hmm. it's everywhere, but like, Yeah, that's a thing especially common for women. This
0: This is kind of interesting. So we have a friend who has an autistic son, and I think that he's just kind of going through all the tests and just kind of learning it, you know, and um, so she's been getting all these, Test done on her as well, and it turns out that she has this gene mutation, and so they're waiting on the results. But they're assuming that her son has it too, where their bodies don't expel the heavy metals like normal people do, and so there's this buildup. And you know, they aren't necessarily saying that that's a link to his autism. I guess they've been pretty vague and unhelpful about it you know she's been doing all these tests and research on her own and everything but um i think you know there's just so many people that think that could need need a little help getting them out too
4: yeah i know for me personally because i am definitely autistic that the copper toxicity that I dealt with, hit it made all of my autistic symptoms way more intense. Like I came across a memory in my Facebook memories the other day that was from when like a couple months after I got it. And I thought it was just the autism. Cause like I went to the market and I got overstimulated and then I ended up like in the park near the market, like essentially shaking overstimulated, trying not to throw up. And it was like, looking back, you know, I know that was definitely because of the IUD and because of the growing copper toxicity in my body. And at the time I just interpreted it as, oh, I'm autistic and I'm overstimulated, you know, I definitely, I think has an effect to worsen the symptoms and the severity of the more uncomfortable things like overstimulation.
0: Exactly. Yeah, it's definitely, I wouldn't say, you know, like the cause of that, but, you know, if. Definitely, one thing contributing to symptoms that people are having exactly like you said, you know. So, yeah, that's been a really popular one. Um, the turmeric's a really popular one. Um, turmeric is a pretty well-known anti-inflammatory. Um, I sell it with the uh, black pepper in it too, because the black pepper taken with the turmeric helps the cur- your body um, absorb the curcumin hmm i ashwagandha is one that's one of my favorites and i was because, just about to
3: ask go ahead
0: yep that was one of the first like even before i kind of started getting into herbalism my mom had given me a bottle of some ashwagandha capsules you know and i was like oh thanks mom you know <laughs> <laughs> and threw them in a drawer and then um i don't know if I've ever finish saying this you know with the whole corona thing started, you know, definitely got me more interested in looking for natural ways just to improve my health and boost my immune system and just be ready for, you know, whatever was going to come. Um, but so I I started working with herbs that would help me. And um, then, you know, learning about them as I go through them. And um, ashwagandha was definitely one of the first ones. And I went back and to started taking those capsules until i could make my own tincture you know and it's one that takes a couple of weeks to notice a difference um but it helps your body to balance like stress and balance your body whichever way that it's out of whack it's called an adaptogen um lion's mane is adaptogen um ginseng um I there's gonna... a lot of herbs that are adaptogens
3: I was going to ask about that specifically because I was wondering if you had a competitor to uh, to fucking uh, Alpha Brain slash Super Male Vitality uh, from like Joe Rogan and Alex Jones, respectively. And because um, first off, there's this way too expensive for what you get. It's like a tiny amount of everything and you could do much better on Amazon. And then second off, um, like... Yeah the 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 ingredients are super simple like if you wanted to make a competitor to that you could just like you know a little bit of ashwagandha a little bit of zinc a little bit of ginseng and a little bit of um of fucking b vitamins to help it absorb um and then like all of those things are good for androgen production which means that it would boost male vitality but it would also support anarchists and not like either you know, a mainstream sort of uh, liberal like Joe Rogan or, um, you know, the extreme like right Alex Jones, it would boost an anarchist. And then second, you could potentially make an even better blend than they have.
0: Well, let me say starting off that you bring up a good point. So I will say that whatever I make will be better than whatever they make. Maybe they have a special blend, but by the time whatever they're making hits the consumer, it's been probably sitting somewhere processed through labeling, shipping, you know, and they're probably they're probably not using extremely high quality herbs because they're probably, you, you know, doing it volume.
2: Yeah. And
0: uh, so when people are start getting into maybe herbalism and they don't maybe know where to go to start looking for quality products, maybe they'll hit up their Walmart or local health food store and buy something. And even that they'll start, you know, but apart from growing the herbs yourself, buying them from somewhere fresh or local or foraged is always going to better quality product in the end. Um, I had a lady tell me uh, my dandelion root routine you know, buys all, like, I don't even list it anymore. She's been buying it in bulk for me. She said that she went without mine for a little while and had to go back to commercial and she said that she noticed a difference um and she only wants to buy mine i had another person with a heavy metal detox blend say that they've tried other kinds of heavy metal detox tinctures and that mine was the only one that they actually noticed um results he actually said he's getting like hair testing done um because I try to use either if I if I can't grow it myself, or the volume you know, that I need, a, working on scaling up and growing the things that do grow well here. Um, being so hot here, some things are kind of difficult, you know. But I've been working on um, networking with other agarists and working on doing trades and trying to find. Agra is sourced for um, as much as the stuff that I can. Holy Resonance, I do the podcast with, distills her own moonshine. And so... And it's a
3: small it, batch.
0: It is, yeah, exactly. It's a small batch. I mean, sometimes I'm straining off a just-finished tincture from the bottle, you know, to send off. So it's literally just finished and sent away you know, and a properly kept tincture. Like if you get one, they should last forever. Um, You know, the alcohol, if it's at the um, right ratio, should preserve it. And, um, you know, you just wanna keep them in the direct sunlight and kind of keep them in cool places.
3: And just to make sure I say this, go to agrastatecrediseeds.com for all your seeds needs. Um, and use code Nexus to get 20% off, and 20% of your purchase, uh, apart from that, will go to the Nexus itself.
4: Yeah, we also also have a Willow's gift code, I forget the specific code, but it gets 10% off. And I think it's
2: Nexus 10. I think it's Nexus 10, too,
4: but I just wasn't sure. But I know we have a it's in the coupon book. And if you want the coupon book, sign up for the newsletter because it goes out with the. With the newsletter every week um but yeah that's that's how to i was I, i've been interested in trying ashwagandha um because i've heard about its useful effects but i haven't the reason i haven't is like i'm not convinced that what i'm gonna find here sitting on a shelf in a random spot in mexico is going to have any yeah. effect at all you know
1: i took um Probably
4: will. i
0: took
1: but just no, ashwagandha it, as and he, she, woo, I think it's called to like build up testosterone. Yeah. And it, uh, I wanted to like go into the woods with the loincloth and like eat <laughs> out a deer's heart, you know, stab a deer with a knife and eat eat out its heart. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, like that's how, like, I don't know. So if you guys do take like Ashwagandha and some other stuff to build up your testosterone, just know that like, that um that you know just know your emotions and uh stuff like that because i i, I kind of felt like I oh that's my dog barking sorry i kind of felt like um well i don't know it just uh i felt more of like a i don't want to say aggressive because i'm never aggressive but like i don't know uh i don't know how to describe the feeling Virile. <laughs>
3: V yeah. Rile, that's good. V Rile, yeah. <laughs> Hungry. Like the wolf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like a, like a like a hunter or something. <laughs> I had to make my little Duran Duran reference there, otherwise people would think I've been body snatched. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so like ultimate. All right, I'm I'm actually one of the things I've been curious about is. Have you had anybody, like, give you any static for this business? Has there been any, like, regulators breathing down your neck or whatever?
0: No. And I it is something that I looked in. First, all the states have varied laws. Um, but generally, there's a list of good practices and procedures or something. And based on that, you can do any or none of them, depending on your risk factor. Like it's really not regulated very much at all. Like in here in Florida, if I put something out saying that these are not for beverage consumption that will cover my ass. So like, mm-hmm. you know, so somebody just go and chug the whole bottle. Um on my Etsy site, I typically or I, I do put the disclaimer that I'm not a doctor. I'm not intending to cure or treat anything and these statements have not been validated by the FDA. It's like a cover your yeah. ass kind of thing. Because and Ooh, I good <laughs> you know, look, that, that would make me want to buy it FDA. even more if it said it wasn't <laughs> right, validated exactly. by the right. FDA. Exactly. Yep. So yeah, serves two purposes there. Um and I just kind of tried to keep it a little bit vague. Like I said, I a lot of times people aren't shy about messaging you if they have any questions about anything and um you know right now while I am employed still um it's kind of allowing me to focus on making a good quality product and seeing what works and what people want you know and yeah so with the Etsy shop it shows you like, like you're asking about what the most viewed you know it tells you which ones are the most popular ones so I know the Focus on i get people asking me if i can get this or make this in a blend and i will try to get it for them because that's what people are asking for just like agarist acres asking they'll get it for you
2: <laughs> typically
0: um but i don't know it's a pretty good way to go about it and um
3: and you grow what you can
0: what i can yeah it's de- definitely like the ashwagandha grows really well here that's one that i grow the turmeric I grow here and flower I grow here and um, we're kind of just getting a good garden size going back up. So probably start growing, growing more, but anything that I can't grow, like I said, I trade with um, some people and otherwise there's a good site. If anybody's looking to get into this, um, it's called mountain rose herbs and all of their products are, you know, organically and sustainably sourced. And uh, I think that their products have been very high quality. And I would recommend the uh, good brand. Because I encourage anybody to go out and try to make things themselves. You know, I mean, if they don't feel like it, of course, you can come to me.
2: But <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's a that's a question I had on my list here. Like, let's say somebody did want to try to make like a like a simple tincture on their own. Like, what does it really take to get started? Is it a big investment? What like what you know is
0: yeah how would they
2: how would they go back into it?
0: Well, not. It's very little. You basically need some matter, some alcohol, and a jar, and some time. And I will say maybe if you would like a more in-depth explanation of this, you could check out the Let's Make Some Shit podcast on our episode on making tinctures. Well, there you go. But essentially, I'll give you the rundown. So um, say you make... The trick was one of the first tinctures that I made from turmeric that I grew here. Um, so I... You can use fresh or dried plant material. I dehydrated it because it does affect the water content in the final product if there's a lot of moisture in your plant material when you start. So you're basically putting that in a jar and you cover it with your menstruum, which is your alcohol. Um, and so a lot of times I use hundred proof. So that's 50% alcohol and 50% water. It's a good mix because that will get out the medicinal properties that are alcohol soluble and the ones that are water soluble for, uh, you know, more full spectrum plant extract. Mm-hmm. And so, and then when you put your plants material in the more surface area, obviously it has, you know, the stronger it'll be. Um, then you sh- put it in a dark, cool place mm-hmm. and you shake it every day for six weeks and you strain it out and you have a tincture. That's easy peasy. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah,
3: yeah. Like, uh, by the way, shoot me a link and I'll include that in the description.
0: Okay. Yeah, will do.
3: Yeah. So, what's your procurement process like, though? Do you just go to these to those people you recommended when you don't have something, or are you trying to like grow everything to fill in the gaps that people ask for, so that you can have it regularly on hand?
0: Um. Yeah. Well. The growing obviously takes a little bit more planning and time. So when I -hmm. I grew some ashwagandha this year, um, and that is available, you know, basically once or twice a year when you harvest. So... Right now, until I scale up more, you know, Ashguanta is a popular one of mine. So I, yeah, like you said, fill in the gaps. right now, it's filling the gaps until I can grow more. But again, like the turmeric, it dies back once winter comes, so they're dying back right now and almost ready to be harvested. um, and I've been multiplying those every year, too. So it's kind of, you know, it's a lot of work. um, but scaling yeah. up.
3: It's one of those but, yeah, things where you in talk to people at like a conference or whatever, and they say it's rewarding.
0: It <laughs> is. It really is. Because, I mean, there's <laughs> a bit of time put into it, you know, but it's something that I enjoy. And um, like I said, I feel like it not only improves my life by learning more about it, because, you know, like I said, I kind of did it originally for us and focusing on herbs that would help me, you know, like the ashwagandha and the lion's mane mushroom. And so by doing that, I was able to get off of prescription antidepressants, you know, which were thrown at me throughout my addiction and after, you know, and kind of make you feel like you need those. Um, And you said you like books. So I will mention that the biology of belief by Bruce Lipton was like a super life changer for me in that way, and you know, just basically like he says that most um, commercially produced antidepressants, ones you know, that they scored very placebo well in testing, and so most people are just. You know, trying to think that they this pill that they're taking is helping them when it's actually doing very little. And how much control your mind has over your well-being. What?
3: Or it's a placebo entirely.
0: Well, yeah. You're saying one is?
3: I said or it's a. Like, sometimes doctors will just give you a sugar pill and say, this is like Wellbutrin or something. They did that with me in order to find out that basically it didn't work. That It was like Ritalin. And I had oh, like, I had Ritalin as a kid. I was, on, I was on Ritalin at one point, Adderall at one point, Wellbutrin at one point. And then eventually my mother started to, like, you know, wonder whether or not they worked. And um, basically she found out that they didn't work and were in fact doing the opposite, if anything. And so the docs put me on a placebo and uh, that literally, like, I, I didn't exhibit any different sort of thing. Uh, the pills, if anything, just changed my psychology to make me think I was fine when I was in fact not fine. You know? Right.
0: Exactly. And that brings up a good point too. Most doctors these days don't care to help and will just throw, you know, medicines at you. And most people don't, you know, learn about what they're taking, you know, and I've been there myself too. You know, just blindly trusted your physician to have your best interests in mind and then you start taking it, like what the fuck you know and then you're like why would you fucking prescribe me this <laughs> you know, my, my fucking doctor you know my history and is so it's just like well nobody again they're playing that victim and like trusting somebody else instead of you know i was taught through the 12-step program that self-medication you know is bad but people have been self-medicating since the beginning of time you know and but it's you know the wrong kind but you know, once the more you get away from that and the more in tune you are with your body and the more gentler remedies like herbs, you know, will have an effect once you get away from that thinking like, if, okay, if I take this, it's going to instantly make me feel better. Cause like, you know, most Western medicines do, you know, you take, you take cough medicine to repress the cough, but not to help you actually get any better you know where herbs treat your whole body and maybe don't necessarily take that symptom away like you're expecting it to and a lot of times they do you know but it's helping your body ultimately get stronger and boost your immune system in a different way you know so yeah self-medication I'm Trying to make that really switch and s-
4: in- yeah there's really something to self-medication like i got a lot of shit for it but like I also have a story where I saved my own life by self-medicating and self-diagnosing like a few years I posted about this on Facebook a few years ago I started microdosing these mushrooms I bought preserved in honey like psilocybin and I did it for 5 days and by the by like I woke up in the middle of the night on the like fifth day And I like rolled over in bed. You know how you wake up and you roll over in bed and you fall back asleep. Well, like I woke up, I rolled over in bed and then my world started spinning like I was drunk and it didn't stop. And I was scared. Like I woke up and I went to the bathroom and the whole bathroom was spinning and I was experiencing these really intense neurological symptoms. Finally, I decided to go to the hospital and like the whole day before I wasn't feeling right. So I was self-medicating with um, activated charcoal probably took like mm-hmm. 20 capsules of activated charcoal that day. And on the way to the hospital, it dawns on me. I was like, I told my boyfriend, cause I couldn't have done it. I was in the car trying not to throw up. And I was like, Google botulism. And he's like, what? And I'm like, Google botulism, tell me the symptoms. And I had every single symptom of it. And I go another, day, like, okay, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I, have I remember botulism. this now. Yeah. And he was like, yeah. And he was like, he like pretty much asks me how he thinks I got it. And I tell him, and then he asks my symptoms. And then he's like, yeah, you probably have botulism. Thank thank God for Mexican doctors who actually listen to their patients. And he gave me this antidote. And the antidote was awful, like two shots to the ass. And it was like searing pain throughout my body. But literally, as soon as searing pain was gone, I felt almost normal, just stomach discomfort. And one of the things he prescribed me was activated charcoal to take after the fact was activated charcoal and i told him like look i was taking activated charcoal all day yesterday because i didn't feel good he was like you you know you might have saved yourself because of that. like that's probably why you didn't feel these effects until you were sleeping and your dose wore off basically yeah so like for anybody listening get your have some right here within hands reach at all times i i don't i don't like when i go on vacation or leave my house for like a day i don't leave home without it just in case if i have the slightest stomach upset i will take it because the nice thing about it is even if there's nothing wrong and you're just like having an anxiety stomach ache or something like that it will help and it won't hurt (laughs) so so i give it to your pets too i do i give it to my dog something yeah, when my dog gets in the onions, because like I don't know what it is, but if he gets in he if he gets access at all, even if in the trash to cooked onions, he fucking goes bananas for them, even though they're toxic to dogs. And he'll get diarrhea. And then I'll force feed him charcoal and
0: then he's fine, you know. Our little puppy you- likes to get into the um adult items and he ate like a half of a tin of like, pink salve, which is like, loaded with THC, and he ate about half of it. And there's been a few times that we <laughs> almost had to give him some charcoal, but... <laughs> oh, yeah, also, it's, just, it's also for
3: everybody. everyone out there, both garlic and onions are androgen boosters, so if you want your super mild, male vitality without supporting Alex Jones, then you can just eat more onions and garlic. That's a way to self-medicate.
0: Also, saw uh, Saw Palmetto yeah. is supposed to be... Um, good for aphrodisiac
1: yeah. how, how did you get botulism uh well
4: okay did, you, so did like, you get
1: through like food that's how people I, usually I, do how
4: i got it was um so like i bought these mushrooms preserved in honey from this hippie who supposed, supposedly grew them himself and my what what i i think happened is he didn't dry them all the way before he can't he jarred them up and like honey naturally has the botulism toxin within it and if the moisture content is too high then it flourishes and he fucking stored this for a few months in his house in in baby food canister which he probably didn't even wash well enough and it was like it was one of those things where like I think it was just a perfect storm of like dumb hippie and like the fresh I did get my money back for it I wasn't trying to but like it it was an argument at first because I like messaged him and I wasn't even trying to get the money back I was like just just watch out if you have more from this batch get rid of them and don't take a, cuz the doctor told me like if i had just tried to trip i would have died i microdosed it you know i was taking like like a eighth of a teaspoon of this like ground up mushroom in honey for 5 days straight and by the 5th day like i felt like i was dying and um it took me like months to recover um when I contacted him, he was like, he first told me it was like probably not botulism. I was like, no, it definitely was. The antidote worked. It wouldn't have worked if it wasn't botulism. And he's like, well, you probably got it from drinking an old Coca Cola. I'm like, try again, man. <laughs> I was like, try again, man. I haven't had Coca Cola in three years. And he's like, yeah, it was canned food. I was like, haven't had canned food in two years. Try again. The only thing that I've had recently that was canned and not fresh is these mushrooms. And yeah. then finally, he was like, okay, I'm going to give you your money back. And I was like, well, my main goal was like the dude, because it was it was a friend of a friend, basically. Kill anybody,
2: I, was yeah. like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, tell your a-
4: friend to watch the fuck out, because that was scary, you know? And like, thank God I was in Mexico, and it was a lot for me at the time, but it cost me 900 pesos, which was like a little under 50 bucks, but it like saved my saved my fucking life, you know? Like, And, and I've been afraid to their since, and I have like a powder that a friend sent me that's like it's just a powder and he takes it all the time for you know his own experiences and I've been too afraid to take it because of that experience
3: I just don't micro dose because a I'm trying to you know do the whole clean and sober thing I'm four years at this point basically with like very little blips on the radar and I'm also and I'm well it's not like I was an alcoholic before. It's just that I chose not to, cause I didn't need it anymore. Yes. Like we talked okay. about that on the two previous episodes. Um, but like, basically like, I don't, I don't trust the dosages that I get from somebody who just like makes psychedelics in their fucking basement or garage or something. Uh, I don't trust, trust their dosages. How do they know how much of the thing is in the thing? and so i'm i'm like you know an error yeah right and i don't want to be one of the trials that has an error (laughs) so i mean i've
4: been there and it's it's not fun being the trial that has an error
3: (laughs) yeah so ultimately like i stay away from that entirely um you know and and it's like it's one of those instances where the government fucks people in multiple ways because first off they make the environment where people want to do drugs to begin with. And then the second thing is that p- because of the environment that yeah. they create around drugs in the black market and all that, it's a bunch of crime, a bunch of people who may have like less of your interests at heart and uh, less like regulability and less like liability protection from like bad dosages and all that sort of thing, culminating in an environment where, you know, drug users are treated like shit. And also where people Mm -hmm. who, like, even just want to use them therapeutically, like, for, like, micro dosing and shit, those people are given the shaft, too, because the system was designed this way. And it was designed to, to, like, throw people out in that way.
4: And and there's something, there's something really, like, that makes a lot of sense, because, like renting a part of their property, but I was living with my boyfriend's family at the time and his like super snooty older brother happened to be in town when I got sick with botulism. And like, I'm in my like little house that I'm renting recovering, you know, pretty terrified of doing anything psychedelic ever again. And this guy is literally in the house trying to convince his parents, like, she's a drug addict, she's going to do this again and again and again until she dies. And I'm like, bro, I almost just died of botulism and you think I'm going to be running to do this? Like, clearly you do not know me, but it was just because it was mushrooms, you know, that, you know, like that means I'm a drug addict. And it's like, it's been like yeah. two and a half years yeah. since that. And I haven't had any psychedelic experiences since then. Part of it being because of that experience and also partially like as far as full strength psychedelic experiences, I've had plenty of them, not like as many as some people, but I don't feel the need to go have full strength experiences. Like I don't want to go and have, you know, a hero dose of LSD ever again. And I've never even had a hero dose, (laughs) but like I've had, you know, strong enough doses and I don't want a full dose. If I ever do LSD again, it's going to be in a microdose, and that's it. I just don't want it. But it was one of those things where like this guy that didn't even know me was just, and I had to, I had to convince them after he left, like, look, you guys saw how sick I was. Why would I do that to myself again and again and again? Like, why would I do that? (laughs)
1: <laughs> well you know is part it of right? it is, it, is like, it easy to get um activated charcoal in mexico
4: i it's everywhere i haven't tried like, to
1: is you it...
4: you can you can walk into any farmacia and buy it you just act for carbon activado which is in spanish um in acapulco where i used to buy it which is literally the same brand that i have here they have this chain called supernaturista in most most cities it's in the central market. And they sell this container. It's got 150 capsules for like 60 pesos, which is like three bucks. And this will last me a few months, you know, three to six months. Um, and then I, know I, I went through a lot after botulism, but like non botulism times last me like three to six months. And I literally don't go without it. And if I get to the point where I have like 15 of these left, I will go and I will buy more no matter what. I, I don't not have it in my house because it's, it's, it's everywhere. Like it's, it's magic. It's yeah. one of the like things I've tried. That's the most effective.
3: And part of the reason that they do that, they, they, they make those assumption is like the, the stigma, and perception around drug users is that they're stuck in a rut, and that they're like gonna be stuck in that rut, and that it's like that's the lifestyle, you know. It's like the the mainstream media sort of portrayal of it, you know, requiem for a dream, train spotting. Like every drug yeah. movie has like the worst examples of users, and so you end up with yeah. this like and that mentality. Was not at all. That was- yeah.
4: I was just trying to increase my productivity and see if I could think more creatively, man. Like, and it was funny. Cause like, you know, even the people you That's buy awesome. this stuff from, they assume that like when I, when I bought them, the guy was telling me how much I needed to take a full dose. And I was like, I have no interest in taking a full dose. And he's like, yeah, but if you did. And I was like, but I don't like, I'm not going to, and I know how much I need to take for a microdose because I've done the research and like, you know, like I had no interest. And, and, you know, it's especially because now it's been a few years, like his family understands, especially for sure now that I've quit weed, they understand, okay, she's not just a stupid drug addict, you know, like it, you know, but it took some convincing and that sucked.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, and, and of course, you can get the productivity benefits. I was going to ask uh, Ray if Ray does like mushroom blends like lion's mane, cordyceps, reishi, uh, like all those things in one pill or a tincture or something? Cause that's what I've seen on Amazon and I'm considering getting uh, some of that at some point.
0: Um, yeah, so I, 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 right now the only mushroom that I've been working with is the lion's mane. Um, but I have a guy locally that grows, he's a mushroom farm here and, um, i plan on working with some other ones the Rishi is definitely one um the thing about the powders that you're probably getting commercially is that it it has to be some kind of extract that's then made into a powdered form because of what's called chitin i don't know if that's how you say it's c-h-i-t-i-n in it, it yeah and it's you know what's in shrimp shen- but do the body and oh that is it, it can only be broken down by heat so for like the tinctures that I make you have to do a dual extraction um, where you like boil it for a while and you tincture the material afterwards to get the compounds all can be destroyed by the the elk, so you're t- those out and then you blend it together at the end. So I tried just drying and blending up some lion's mane mushroom and it hurt my stomach like really bad and I think it's because that chitin wasn't broken down. So I haven't totally figured out necessarily the best way to offer it in that form um but, but appreciate it has, it's something that I've looked that. into. Yeah. I've
4: considered taking supplements that I've seen because I've been told lion's mane would help for me. But I have a very sensitive stomach, so like I'm I'm super glad that you explained that because I am definitely afraid of <laughs> anything that causes me stomach pain. Basically,
0: yeah, I mean, there's like a lot of things too. Like we just one of our last episodes we did was with uh, this lady that makes silver true colloidal silver and and I didn't realize this but apparently most colloidal silver on the market is an ionic solution and there's like another step that you have to do in order for it to form the nanoparticles which is what makes it the particles that don't pass through the cell so they're um, passed out in your urine Whereas the ionic silver solution, like people, like when you see people that turn blue cause they took too much, it's because it wasn't actually colloidal silver that they were taking. So like, there's a lot of misinformation about that, but you know, like a lot of that information I feel like is really suppressed these days, you know, by social media, but also by the internet. Like you really have to search pretty deep to find like a good site i have found that then talking to other herbalists um has been more helpful um because of that misinformation
3: yeah well so okay um i'm assuming you got some stuff to take care of um is there anything you wanted to bring up that we haven't yet
0: no, I think that about covered We've covered a lot. <laughs> yeah.
4: I have one final question. Technically it's a personal, like, you know, information request that just came to mind actually, because okay. I struggle with sleep and not so much like falling asleep initially. Um, Cause that's one of the things that improved when I quit smoking weed was I was able to, you know, like I got a little better sleep, but how do you like, how do you stay asleep? Like, what do you recommend? For decreasing insomnia and getting more REM sleep because I struggle.
0: <laughs> Valerian root works really well for me. And I'd say that's probably one of the stronger ones, but kind of like, you know, with cilantro, like some people, it tastes like soap to them. Um, well, some people, valerian root has the opposite effect and it'll give them a lot of energy. So I'd be careful with that, but there's some, um, gentler ones, uh, such as chamomile and passion flow. And you recommend tinctures, yeah, right? Call me. I recommend tinctures because they, like I said, they have a long shelf life where eating tea is always a great way to do it. Um, cause you're making it, you know, fresh and drinking it right away, but the longer fresh herbs, you know, less potent they become over time. So I feel like tinctures, or you can also, so a glycerite is a tincture that's made with vegetable glycerin and alcohol. And it, um, alcohol usually is pretty, is a little bit stronger for pulling out the properties, but glycerin works just as well Some people they're sensitive to alcohol the like children or alcoholics that's always an option to did he answer your
4: question yeah
3: glycerin
4: so. yeah that's super helpful yeah. thank you yep,
3: um, you're welcome i i personally like I, this isn't sponsored by them i have like a bag of this when i know i need to really get some good quality sleep it's mm-hmm. chamomile yeah. and lemon myrtle
4: yep okay
3: it uh, it's a, it binds to your GABA receptors, so it's good for that. Um, Sounds good. All right, so it, the uh, the general projects you do, you do the Let's Make Some Shit podcast. You do the Willow's Gift. Dag is gonna start putting out some videos on the homestead for uh for Odyssey for Agris Nexus. Um, is there anything you want to plug? I think that
0: about covers it. If anybody wants to follow me on Twitter, I am at e underscore agarist, and um, you can follow our podcast at let some s h h.
4: And I can vouch nope. for the podcast. I've been a guest on it, and it was a lot of fun. It was one of the more fun times I've had being interviewed. Um,
0: yeah, that one was really awesome. It's uh, yeah. still our most listened to one. Mm-hmm. And our numbers have oh. been increasing, so it's good. Like I said, we've been getting a lot of good feedback from people, so.
2: Yeah, it's really cool. I really like the, um, you know, the idea of, you know, teaching general skills and even on a basic level, mm-hmm. just helping people get started. You know, like we were talking about earlier, it's so easy to get, because I, I have a problem with doing this where, you know, I want to do something and I'll just, I'll, I just can't read enough about it. I'm too scared to actually start. And the solution is you just. And and that's how you learn, you know, so helping people, you know, sort of take that first couple steps, I think is, um, I think be really, really important and really, um,
0: and resonance is really awesome. Uh, She's been, oh, and you too, Lily. I mean, you were a big inspiration to me when I first started all of the portraits and developing some of my side hustles. Um, You're definitely a big inspiration there. And then uh, my co-host resonance has been a huge inspiration to. Yeah, that's a huge of part of why I other share. Out and-
4: that's a huge part of why I share like what I do. Like I have, I've had quite a few people reach out to me, especially recently. Like I had one friend who said that I was helping her to inspire her to new learn new things. Cause like my circus stuff, anybody that follows me on Facebook specifically knows that I am obsessed with the circus stuff, but I've been posting about it since day one. So like, since I sucked at it basically. And then you see me go in like a year from like being very noobish to being semi-professional. And I've had quite a few people message me. Like you have helped me remember the fact that you don't have to be good at something when you start to be good at something quickly and to build that passion and you just have to try the thing that you've always wanted to do otherwise you know you're never gonna know like and nobody starts off perfect like me starting
1: agorist nexus
4: exactly (laughs) (laughs) any anything no idea what i was doing (laughs) That's how you learn. Just do the thing and be willing to, you know, fuck up and make mistakes sometimes. Like um, one of my recent projects, I've been doing crochet professionally for years and I still redo things. This is literally, I made a bag that was like an evil eye. Here's attempt one. Here's attempt two. Here's attempt three. And attempt four (laughs) is now with the person who bought it, you know, don't be afraid (laughs) to redo stuff to make it better because... That's how you learn.
3: Yep. Yep. All right. Well, if that's it, um, everybody be sure to sign up for emails. Everybody be sure to get pre-search. It's free uh, and it helps the Nexus. Sign up for Anarchapulco. If you want to buy tickets, you can help support the Nexus with the link in the description. Uh, There'll be plenty of links to get access to the Willow's gift. um, Let's make some shit podcast and also a bunch of other things related to this episode. Um and also Agora stake of seeds. Use code Nexus for 20% off your order. Um, and with all that being said, I do have a quote. Oh yeah. All right. So the secret to doing anything is believing that you can do it. Anything that you believe you can do is strong enough, you can do anything as long as you believe. Bob Ross.
4: Nice. A man. <laughs>
0: When the revolution starting inside An instrumental part of agor worldwide Agor worldwide, agor worldwide Counter economics Agorist drip, black market click Move a quick flip, can't regulate this Agorist drip, black market click Move a quick flip, can't regulate this Agorist, 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 agorist nexus,
1: agorist,
4: agorist, agorist